What is up? Welcome back to the Pack Center Podcast, your one-stop shop for anything Nevada athletics, episode 130. I'm your host, Matt Hafer. I'm here with my co-host, Isaiah Bros. Isaiah, how's it going, man? Doing good. This time we're previewing football. We're still recording this on Tuesday because the J school, I'm pretty sure, is going to be closed for the rest of the week. So this preview is coming out, or we're recording this on Tuesday, Tuesday morning, actually. And this will be coming out Friday, so stay tuned for that. We just recorded our basketball preview. That was kind of fun. Now we're getting into football preview, our football weekly preview. Over halfway the season. We only have three games left. Yeah, scary thought. And it's going to be three tougher games. Three tough games, starting with Hawaii. Nevada's traveling to Hawaii this week to play the Rainbow Warriors on the islands. Isaiah, here's a, here's a fun time question for you. What time is it in Hawaii when Nevada game starts? 7 p.m.? Close. 6 p.m.? Yeah. Yeah. It's and, weird because they don't have daylight savings. Yeah, I was going to say, okay, that's and what... So during the fall, they're two hours behind us, and during the spring, they're three hours behind us. That's kind of weird, but that's just how it is. It's going to be an adjustment, especially for us, knowing we've played all five of our games in the state of Nevada. That plays very well to our advantage. It is going to be different, to say the least, playing on the islands. It's a tricky spot. Yeah, it is, and it's even trickier when Hawaii's been better at home than they have been on the road. They've been one of the most inconsistent teams in the Mountain West so far, so it should be an interesting task. I'm interested to see how this team plays in a different time zone for the first time this year in a different state. Traveling to the islands, which I was wrong on when I said in the football preview earlier this year that I just it felt like Nevada lost every game. They've actually won three out of their last four games in Hawaii, including I think it was a forty to twenty two win two years ago in twenty eighteen. So they're traveling back there. It, it's it's also kind of coincidental because in twenty ten the team that beat Nevada, the seventh game of the season was Hawaii, to end their undefeated streak and. We're running into that same problem oh, this gosh. year, so that's kind of a that's kind of a fun little nuance coincidence. Hopefully that doesn't happen, but it just it just it seems like you know what goes around comes around in some way. Of course, Nevada's first game out of state in 2010 wasn't against Hawaii because, of course, they had non-conference games and they had road games. So, yeah, I mean, just I know coming off of that huge win, as we touched upon in the last week's recap. Or not last week's, but this week's recap of over last SD- week's game. Yeah, of last week's game over SDSU. I just don't want to think or make this game feel less important because this is a big, big game as well. Traveling on the road for the first time of all places, albeit Hawaii, who, as you mentioned, play really well at home, play well to their own home environment. It's going to be different. And it's just something that. You know, it's it's one of those types of circumstances and nuances to the game that can go unnoticed, and it can really affect how players play on the field. So, Travel. Travel's important. And in a year like this, unlike any other, when you have your first game on the road in six weeks, yeah, that can be, you know, that could be time for an upset. That could be time you're not, you know, clicking on all cylinders. You're not really feeling your motions. So I think it's important to just really stamp out a key victory here against Hawaii. It's been weird for Hawaii this year because it's been like they've been good every other week because they had 34 points against Fresno State the first week of the season. Then they had seven against Wyoming. I actually watched that game. It was Wyoming just, just – after Wyoming lost to Nevada in week one, Wyoming just Destroyed pounded them. them. Yeah, pounded them. 
And then week three, they come out and beat New Mexico 39-33. Almost lost that game. And then against San Diego State, they come out flat. They only scored 10 points, lose 34 to 10. And then last week, they almost beat Boise, but lost 40 to 32. They scored 15 unanswered points in the second half to almost win that game. And so I'm, it's been like we're, we're, they're on that every other week kind of a trend. And this week is the negative of that trend, but we can't, no one can bank on that. That's just a, like almost a coincidental kind of a thing. Oh, yeah, definitely. And just as Hawaii as a whole, they've been up and down. And a lot of that is just reflective in their play. I mean, a lot of that falls on the shoulders of quarterback. Is that how, how do you, how do you pronounce Siobhan Cordero? Yeah, Siobhan Cordero. Cordero, he's been like I guess you could say his season thus far has been great and terrible at the same time because in wins, he completes you know over fifty percent of his passes, throws over three hundred yards against New Mexico, throws over two touchdowns. And then there's games like Wyoming where if he falls apart, the offense as it's as a whole just falls apart. And as a whole, thus far he's played, he's thrown for 1,211 passing yards, eight touchdowns, four interceptions, and he's added a team high 266 rushing yards. So I was going to say, let's talk about him for a little bit because he leads the team in carries by by an overwhelming amount. And just watching previous games, he he he's not a bad passer. He's not. He doesn't have a whole lot of arm strength. At least that's just from a very amateur scout perspective. But they'll run plays where they'll do design. They'll do read options with Miles Reed and Rich or Calvin Turner. And then I almost said Richie Turner, former Nevada wide receiver. But <laughs> and then they'll do design runs where they'll spread three, four wide. He'll act like he'll throw a screen pass or a, a short, quick route, but then he'll go for a draw play quarterback draw and he and just watching tape he is a very good runner and so he's 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 a player that once he gets out of the pocket and he's turning on the jets like he's probably the fastest player that nevada's faced this year and we keep he's going to be up to this point he's going to be the fastest player that nevada's faced oh yeah you can easily argue that and we've mentioned how nevada's defense has struggled to some aspects with mobile quarterbacks this is going to be quite the test because cordero or cordero is versatile. He can get, he scrambles and he, he quickly accelerates. You know, he's got a good burst of speed and he kind of has the vision of a running back in a lot of ways. And the offense as a whole is a bit limited because of, you know, if Cordero doesn't perform at his best, a lot of the times the team as a whole struggles. And that's something the Wolfpack really need to keep capitalize on. And I think that's something they ultimately will do because Nevada's defense, as they've shown last week, they do a great job of taking away a team's best strength and making, you know, just focusing on their weaknesses. And I think if similarly to SDSU, but in a much lower aspect, if you can force Hawaii to consistently pass the ball, especially downfield and really, you know, dare them to throw the ball downfield, I think that will work to their favor. But here's the thing with Cordero. If he doesn't, if he, he'll get through his first two or three reads. And if not, he's going to run. And the question is, can Nevada contain him in the pocket? Because the trade-off that does happen with a running quarterback like that is he gets sacked a lot. And Hawaii is allowed... 19 sacks. Yeah, the second most sacks in the conference. Because there's times where he'll try to he'll try to scramble and try to find that seam inside the tackles or in the pocket. And 
a defender will will snatch him and he'll be kind of like scrunched up and trying to find an alleyway and sometimes doesn't sometimes does to his credit but sometimes doesn't so i wonder if i wonder if nevada is going to be bringing five or six guys to potentially fill those gaps that's so interesting and you know what i think early on you can test that and really test just how much heat you could put on the hawaii offense and once again just i have faith in this game and confidence that nevada's secondary can match up well with hawaii outside there's no real receiver outside of their running backs who is a constant threat out wide thus far jared smart jared smart outside of jared smart (laughs) who can really test so i really think we can send five or six and see if we can you know get some gaps for some presence in the backfield and as we saw last week against sdsu just have a constant pressure or at least string together some dominant performances over one half or another so what if nevada does bring five or six they can strategically put Calvin Turner, who they've put often in the slot, run maybe a couple screen passes or swing passes if he's in the backfield and get some yards out of there. And he could, he will kill Nevada in the open field. He and Miles Reed. And just to give you an outline, who, like, Calvin Turner is probably, I don't want to, I'm not even going to, like, throw out an NFL comparison because that's idiotic. But, He's been one of their best. He's been their best skill position player this year. He leads the team in 33 or leads the running backs 33 carries for 170 yards and three touchdowns. He's close to the top in catches. I think he's second he's, in catches with, the, he with 15 catches receiver. for 192 yards and four touchdowns. So he could potentially be a dangerous threat outside or in the backfield. So I'm interested to see how Turner does and what his role is in this game because Miles Reed had 21 carries week one. That's substantially gone down. And he was one of the he was their top back last year, and that's gone down. He said twenty three in total so, in weeks two through five. So I'm interested to see how that translates over. Yeah, I mean you're kind of seeing the change of the guard, not really in like to one certain player, but just seeing so much like I don't know why is that why is the emphasis being taken off of him in some ways like that's maybe Turner's versatility. I don't know. It's just kind of different in that aspect, but he's still a player Nevada can needs to hone in on because he can explode in any sort of way and he's got some of the physical makeup that can make you dangerous in the open field and in those aspects yeah that can be something Nevada certainly needs to focus on. Hawaii's been better with the run this year than they have the pass because of Cordier because of Miles Reed because of Calvin Turner and so I'm wondering how that translates over and I wonder with how improved Nevada's run defense has been this year if Hawaii is going to drift away from that or if they're going to if they're going to stay pat to their game plan because we saw against San Diego State of course San Diego State and Hawaii are different i wonder if they're going to play the same way or play the same way in a sense that we're going to throw the ball more often we're going to take advantage of Nevada's back 7 instead of their front 7 yeah i mean you could see Hawaii potentially get out of the box like SDSU did last week and really go more pass heavy early on or in some aspects test that secondary but I think for us we just need to stay balanced on both sides and defensively I think if we create the any pressure whatsoever I think we can really force their passing game into some uncomfortable situations and ultimately we'll take advantage of that so let's move to the defensive side of the ball Hawaii is ranked eighth in the Mountain West in defense in total defense but they're second in pass defense 
So it's uh, it's another strength versus strength kind of a battle that Nevada is going to be up against this year, or this game. And so I'm wondering, what do you think about that? I mean, that's pretty interesting to see. You look at it, and a lot of what Hawaii's defensive struggles have come on the ground. But they've been successful through the air. And for us, you know, coming into last week's matchup against SDSU, I was not expecting any big plays whatsoever from Nevada in terms of, you know, big 50-plus yard completions and touchdowns. And they proved me wrong twice. And those two plays ended up being huge. I expect the same. I mean, at this point, Nevada's offense has not really steered me in any direction to think any differently. I really do think we will still be able to find a few ways to beat them through the passing game, whether it's with Romeo Dubs, something with Cole Turner over the middle or Justin Lockhart, or just some sort of big play that will ultimately work in our favor. So I do agree, and obviously the statistics tell that Hawaii's been successful against the pass, but this passing offense that Nevada's been able to encounter this year and been able to develop is truly special and I have no doubts in my mind that they'll be able to string together some big plays. Yeah, Nevada's top of the Mountain West in passing, top 20 in the nation in passing. And so I'm looking for them to keep that going. Maybe they maybe they develop a potential or potentially they develop a more balanced attack in the ground game. Yeah, I mean, this is the if there's any matchup to do it, this is the one to to at least try it out because Hawaii ranks second worst in the conference in run defense at 226 yards per game. And we've seen, you know, spurts of Toa Tower and Devontae Lee get loose and get to the second level. And this could be another potential matchup where both of them can truly succeed. And I'm maybe we do rely a little bit more on the run, especially if we build up an early lead. We can really try to control the clock and really control the tempo of the game. And if we can find success in the run game, as we all know, that opens up even more avenues for our passing game. So I mean, I'm excited to see how that kind of plays out early on. Do you think Dubs is going to go berserk again? I, I Do you mean, think that he can go berserk again? I think, like, why not? I mean, has <laughs> he done anything for us to say no at this point? He's been... His prorated stats have decreased, Isaiah. You forgot about this. I forgot. Shame on you, Romeo. He's not over 2,000 yet, but who knows? Maybe this is the game he does it. game. I think his eight game was 1,200. On pace for 1,200 receiving yards in eight games is preposterous. It's... It's ridiculous. We didn't even reach that mark last year in 12 games. I, Elijah had not. He, Elijah didn't even have a thousand. Like again, that's prorated. That doesn't mean that's sustainable. Regression to the mean, as we've seen, but that's just how a testament how good Romeo's been. Oh, definitely, and he's earning high regards and national recognition, as he so well deserves. And yeah, I mean, there's not a doubt in my mind, and I just have all the certainty in the world that he will at least be able to help Nevada's offense in one way or another. I'm just, like, a part of me was waiting for that Romeo non-100-yard receiving game, non-100-receiving you know, touchdown combination game, but he's done it. He just keeps doing it, and I just, there's just no reason for me to believe that he'll stop. I mean, he, he did it against SDSU's secondary, and I would argue yeah, that SDSU's not. secondary is the best in the conference. So for sure. I agree with why that. Why not? Let's keep it going. He's been out of this world, man. Uh, Carson had his, well, as we mentioned in the last podcast or the last football podcast, Carson had his 300-yard streak snapped. Uh, but six games, he threw for 300 yards in six consecutive games, which is the most in Mountain West history, second most in school history. It got snapped. He was 12 short. I wonder if he gets back going again. 
San Diego State's the best pass defense. Now we're facing the second best pass defense. I wonder what Nevada can bring in that aspect. But something I also want to touch on is despite Hawaii being bad in the run game, they've had the second most tackles for loss in the conference. Yeah, that's interesting. They do get into the backfield and they're kind of athletic up front, do a good job of, you know, filling in the gaps and finding ways to plug holes in some ways. So that's I think that's why it'd be important to just consistently stick with the ground game because I think over the course of all four quarters, it will ultimately work in our favor if we're able to find success, whether that be with Toa Tawa, Devontae Lee, Avery Morrow, combination of all three. If we're able to get that run game going early and often, it'll only open up more avenues for our offense as a whole. Yeah, and the, but and it, and the, the listener might think at home, it's like, oh, well, they'll just – since they're so good in the passing game, they'll get a lot of sacks. No, they're 10th in the conference in sacks. They've only had eight this entire year. They've had 39 tackles for loss. That's a, difference, that's a difference of 31. They've had tackles for loss in the run game. Right. Wow. So not the most opportunistic defense by any means, but still something to keep an eye on. And again, every every matchup is a battle for our offensive line, but I'm just hoping to see at least this week a cutdown of uncharacteristic penalties in terms of false starts and everything like that. And if we're able to just keep Carson Strong upright, as we've been able to, at least for the most part of the year, been able to at least keep him upright and being able to make those big throws downfield. So I'm expecting more of the same in that regard, just cutting down on those unnecessary penalties that we highlighted in last week's podcast or on last week's game. Yeah, Nevada's third. They've had the third most tackles for loss allowed in the conference with 37, and they've had the fourth most sacks allowed with 12. So, if we can if we can limit those to an extent, we'll probably be seeing a 4-3 front or a 4-2-5 front, and so that's going to be interesting to see how we combat that. Um, anything else you want to add to the defensive end? Oh, one thing I want to add: Hawaii is another good red zone defense. They, or at least in terms of allowing touchdowns, we, t- we illuminated last podcast, Nevada's scored touchdowns in 40.9% of their drives, which is third worst in the nation. Hawaii is allowed touchdowns on 47.6% of their drives, which is one of the best in the conference. Yeah, that doesn't play well to our favor whatsoever. And you've seen our struggles in the red zone throughout the course of this year, and it's just been ugly to this point. It's been problematic. And this certainly doesn't make it any better. If we can compensate for the deep ball, then, or if we can compensate with the deep ball, that'll, of course, limit things like we've been doing all season. But we can't expect that production to, to sustain. We have to be better in the red zone. Yes, and we have to settle. You know, it's a lot of it's settling for three in a lot of situations. And in so many games, that can come back to bite you. So we need to find a way to find the end zone more when we get inside the 20s. God bless the existence of Mr. Automatic, Brandon Talton. I was watching that Rutgers-Michigan game. I think it was the first or second oh overtime where they both missed, like, not chip shots, but they both missed makeable field goals. And I'm sitting there with my dad, and I'm like, hashtag college kickers. Like, thank God we have Brandon Talton, who is much better than the average college kicker, I would say. Oh, definitely. He's He's special. I mean, 18 straight field goals made. I know. Doesn't that number sound great now that you've seen some of the struggles around the nation in terms of just field goal that kickers? number's great in general, but just watching him, ki- just watching him chip shot 35 yarders and like it's nothing. Knock on wood that that continues, but he's been good ever since he stepped foot on campus. Yeah, definitely. And 
That's why he's called Mr. Automatic. It's almost as if three points or whatever, PAT, three points, are putting on the board as soon as he steps onto the field. So more power to him. What are your keys to victory in this game? I would say my number one key to victory is just to stay balanced with the run game. I would not want to steer away from that whatsoever just because I think if we're able to do that over the course of the game, as we've been talking about this whole podcast, is having that open up more avenues for our passing game, finding more ways to get dubs the ball downfield potentially if we're able to keep them balanced in that regard. My second is to force Hawaii to throw the football. It was kind of similar to SDSU in that perspective that I don't trust their passing game and especially a lot of their deep threats out wide. They have some playmakers in the backfield, but if we're able to contain them and put a hold on them, I don't see Hawaii's passing game really converting on third downs or you know making its way down the field. So those were my two biggest keys to victory, and I certainly see Nevada closing this one out in that regard. What are your keys to victory? Control Cordero. You got to make sure he can't, you can't let him get loose. You can't let him find alleyways because if he gets loose, he's going to get chunks of yardage. And part of that is getting a push. One of my, my second key is getting a push, but that really involves both ends of the football because Hawaii is so good with their linebackers. Darius Masao and Quentin Frazier. I'm sorry if I messed up your name, Darius. <laughs> but they're so good at getting in the backfield and creating lanes or filling lanes and filling their run responsibilities and their run gaps. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that we can get a push there and limit that to the best of our ability. And another thing is just keep strong upright. Just keep them upright. Don't allow them to get pressure. And also go through your progressions. I like that. And he's been doing that this year, but I'm just further emphasizing go through your project projections. Cause like Cortez Davis is probably going to be shading dubs and he's one of the be- he's one of the better corners in the Mountain West. And so just go through your pro- go through your progressions, don't force anything that's not there and take what the defense gives you. There may be a shot or two or a few <laughs> open down the field later in this game. And so just keep that and keep that going and get chunks of yardage down the field and make sure we can develop a good passing game to hopefully build a run game off of. Yeah, I mean, a lot of our keys to victory in some aspects kind of mirror SDSU and just taking what the defense gives you, work your way down the field, just stay calm and collective. And I think if we do those things, it will turn out to a Nevada victory. What's your uh, What's your prediction? Well, I know that Nevada opened up as touchdown favorites over Hawaii. Well, I'm going to go against the spread. Wait, I what's know the spread? it was... According to sportsbook.com that I'm looking at right now, <laughs> six and a half. Six and a half, okay. Six and a half. I'm going against that spread just because we're traveling into foreign territory it, for the first time you're, this Wait, year. you're going against that in the aspect that Hawaii's going to cover or Nevada? Hawaii's going to cover. Okay. And I'm going to go just because on the road for the first time this year in all environments, all that being Hawaii, I think this has the makings of a potentially close game. I don't see Nevada coming out just firing on all cylinders. I think they have time to adjust. Chris Murray wrote in his basically like his game preview that Nevada is switching time for their practices to 9 p.m. They usually work out at 8 a.m., switching that up to 9 p.m. They have four days to get adjusted to the environment in Hawaii, so... 
I just think those types of elements can really play to the Rainbow Warriors' favor. But with that being said, I'm going to go 31-27 Nevada. Still a high-scoring affair. I still see our offense continuing to improve and just lead us to victory in that regard and defense making costly, you know, just forcing costly mistakes and making key plays. And ultimately, we improved to 6-0. and And before I... I ask you for your prediction. I just want to give Hawaii some credit. I think they are better than a two, their two and three record shows in some for sure. aspects. For sure. This is a, you know, well, odd. they do have their deficiencies, but overall this can be viewed as a solid program who is a tough beat, especially at home. So 31-27 Nevada, close win, but a win nonetheless, and we improved to 6-0. and What is your prediction, or will you give your prediction? More I will prediction? give my prediction this time. I'm going to go 35-24 Nevada. I think Nevada's, I think it's going to be the same MO as we've seen or we saw against San Diego State. I think Hawaii gets up, it gets out quick. But I think Nevada's going to put points up on the board this week because due to that run game and and potentially some, some big shots if we take them. I mean, okay, if we take them. I know we're going to take some big shots, whether they're completed or not is a different story, but we're going to take big shots. But I think Nevada's defense is going to really hone in on Cordero, and I think we're going to be seeing spies. We're going to be seeing contains on the defensive ends. And so we're going to be... And I think this could be potentially another big game for Dom and Sam and Lawson Hall and our front seven to get some sacks and get some tackles for Lawson, take advantage of that. But Cordero is going to get his... He's going to get his yards. He's going to get his chunks throughout the game. If Nevada can limit that to a minimum, they'll have a better chance at winning the game. But I do think we're going to win this game. I think our offense is just, it, it's, it's on a roll. I mean, we, it's, we'd slowed down the last couple of weeks, but I think we pick it back up on the road. It's going to be interesting. It might not be, as you mentioned, like the other five games because we haven't traveled out of the state so far. So it might be a little lowering sco- lower score than I would expect. And yeah. Yeah, I like that. You touched upon all those key aspects. Do you have anything else to add? Nope. Let's go Wolfpack. We got a lot to talk about next week. Yeah. Hawaii, Nevada two basketball games, Nevada women's two basketball games. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Looking forward to it. This will be coming out on Friday. Remember, we're recording this on Tuesday. We're in a little bit of an abbreviated time slot here. And so we we're trying to get as... We're trying to get as concise as, and as much as possible. Thank you guys for listening. Give us a rating. Five-star rating. I can't believe you like it so much when I say that. You know, you're missing the in fact, but it's all right. You know, it came out. It was it was great the first time you said it, but now you're not saying it with as much emphasis. Because I'm looking at you and you're like doing the Because I'm ready. Pump. I'm ready for, you know, five-star rating, in fact. Five-star rating, in fact. Thank Please you. give us a rating. A five-star rating, in fact. Uh... <laughs> hope everyone's staying safe thank you again for listening we will see you next week